Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, friends, and welcome finally to your long-awaited midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I am Mark Heath. I am your host. I'm sitting a long way away from the mic because I can't bend my leg. With me, my two favourite friends, the boy Roscoe and the Dr Stuart Watson, who did not sadly perform operation as promised. Probably a good thing, actually. Watto, you've just been away playing golf. We know you were injured. You were doubt on the team sheet. Um, how did you perform? Did you did you suck it up and go tiger on them? I did suck it up, yeah. I yeah. Um, I played I played all right, actually. Yeah, I've had a, had a nice few days uh, playing golf off the back of Derby, and I'm back. I'm raring to go. To, I've caught a bit of sun. Can you see? It's been glorious weather the last few days. I've not been outside for two weeks, mate. Mm. Um, I could look out, out through the window. Where did you go? I went to a place called Belton Woods uh, Golf Club, which is um, a hotel course just outside of Grantham. Nice. It was on the way home win? from Derby. Uh, did I win? Uh, golf is always the winner. <laughs> um no, I mean, I've never been. A, I've never been a great golfer, despite sort of playing for for many years. But um, I had fun. It's a chance for me and my dad to spend a bit of time together, so that was nice. It's the Masters this week, isn't it, Stu? One of the greatest mm. events in all of sport. I think one of the few places, kind of settings for sport, that I'd be content just to go and walk round. Stick your stadium tours. I'd like to just walk around Augusta and just look at it. What a beautiful place! They pipe in birdsong, don't they, Stu? And they paint the greens. They green. do. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. No, I love uh, I love the Masters, and uh, I do do like uh, do like my golf. Yeah, tremendous. Someone who doesn't like golf but does like getting right on it with the lads is the boy Roscoe. Roscoe, you were on tour, KOA on tour in, in the fine city of Derby at the weekend. Naturally, I'm going to ask you what happened because I know you're all out on Friday night. I set you a challenge. I wanted a picture of you next to the club statue which admittedly was quite a challenge given that's actually at Pride Park. Um, but I think you had quite a sedate one in the end, didn't you? It's pretty just relaxed. I think a lot of us knew we had to travel back to our homes on the Sunday, so we didn't want to go too mental because we had drivers and stuff. Of course, not me. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ross doesn't obviously, drive. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that was good. So we, we went for a nice curry in Derby. Um, and do you know what? I think you probably know this. A lot of listeners know this. When you have a curry, you just get you get bloated, don't you? You just and you feel, we just felt tired. We just we, we're all sitting there just thinking there was lovely curry, but we just feel really bloated. A lot of them have been on the beer since like ten o'clock in the morning. They they had a pints at breakfast. I just had an orange juice, boys. Working responsible. Down. Yeah, of course. Um, they're all on the beer very early, you know, early in the morning. So I think by the time we had the curry about half nine, I think they all just was like. I'm just tired and bloated, but I uh, know it was a it was a great weekend. And yeah, shout out to all the boys who um who were part of that. And uh, yeah, it was great. I think my favourite start to a game day ever featured Ross rubbing a dog's tummy in a pub in Derby. <laughs> yeah, Poppy the dog in Mr Grundy's just wouldn't 
leave us alone. Um, and I thought, you know what? I was about to do my intro. It came over. Wanted its belly rubbed, and it, it was it, it was part of the take. So it's not, it's not an it. It's a he or a she. It's a oh, she, sorry. I guess. Poppy. Yeah, yeah, Poppy. Yeah, more, yeah, more very dogs, friendly dog. More dogs, please, yeah, on game day. I want to. I want to meet people's dogs. Um, friends, <clears throat> obviously, Town extended their winning run at the weekend. Seven games in a row now. Eight clean sheets. Absolutely tremendous. We've got that to talk about today. We've got accounts. We've got a new contract for a key squad player as well. Plus two games coming up over Easter. There's a lot to get to. But I want to start with the following question, boys. And that's this. As I've just said, seven winning, seven uh, games, one in a row for Ipswich Town. First time they've done that in the same season since 1989. No, sorry, 1953-54, same season. First time they've done it since 1989 when it was spare over two seasons. Get that right. I've written about that this morning. <clears throat> and also eight clean sheets. My question to you simply, Stuart Watson and Ross Halls, I'm going to start with you, Ross, because I know if I don't, you'll just agree with whatever Stu says. Which is more impressive? Seven wins in a row, a mighty achievement. We all know there are no easy games in League One. We're keeping eight clean sheets, almost 13 hours. Christian Walton has kept his his sheets clean, not picked the ball out of his net. He's, he saved a penalty as well. That's the longest run in Europe all season in the top five, the big five leagues and also the EFL. 13 hours. Incredible. So which is more impressive, Ross? What would you say? Both are pretty good, of course. Um, that's well, the yes, that's obvious. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think I'm going to pick clean sheets. Because, yeah, you know, winning games is what you want, three points in the bag. But in those games, we've had some tough, you know, games. Definitely the last, you know, couple, you know, Bolton, Christian Walton had to save a penalty. Um, Derby did have the ball in the net at Pride Park. But, of course, it was offside for reasons. Um, but I think that's the most impressive part of it. Um, and I'm sure Christian Walton and the back line will be very happy about that and they'll want to continue that. Um, so that's my answer. Clean sheets because... I love clean sheets as well. Don't we all love clean sheets? Especially the first night when you get into bed and you just change the sheets. One of life's greatest pleasures, isn't it? Simple things. Speaking of simple things, Stewie, what do you reckon? Wins. Yeah? Yeah, you've, you've tried to... <clears throat> that was a leading, a leading tone to your intro there. Yeah. Yeah, wins are good, but... <laughs> I think Ross might have been sucked into that tone, but I'm not getting sucked in, Mark. Wins are wins are what you need in yeah. football. Winning games. You, so you think we've had, we've had periods where Ipswich have kept clean sheets? Yeah. Uh, in the early days under McKenna, but we've had them where they've kept clean sheets under Paul Lambert. Um, but winning game, rattling out wins and turning these fine margin moments into three points on a consistent basis. There's not many teams that that go on this sort of winning run. You've, you've detailed the statistics and how rarely that happens. Um, WWWs, that's uh, that's the most impressive part of all of this for me. Just win, baby. Um, okay, uh, it, I made a right horlicks of that, so I'll just go back over the stats. The last time Town won seven league games in a row, split over two seasons, in 1989, they won, they won seven league games in a row under John Duncan. Last time they did it in the same season, league games, 1953-54, back in the old Division 3 South under Scott Duncan when they stormed to the title that season. And the club record, Stu, is nine games in a row, which was both League, League Cup and FA Cup, done unsurprisingly 
in the golden era under Sir Bobby, 1981-82. So the season after they won the UEFA Cup, they went nine games winning every single one. Um, you have to say, Stu, they could break that. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about Easter weekend in a moment's time. But uh, yes, they absolutely could because um, they're flying at the moment. Those those statistics are remarkable, aren't they? Absolutely remarkable. You're talking about <clears throat> generational achievements here. And I don't want anyone trying to diminish this by saying, oh, it's in the third tier and Ipswich's history. <clears throat> dictates that they've they've been a, a top flight club for most you know I don't care what level you're at it's all mm. relative and to 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 do what Ipswich have done over the last six weeks seven weeks remarkable crazy considering after Bristol Rovers which is obviously when the, the clean sheet run started we were there was much wringing of hands and gnashing of teeth about four wins in 15 and is the team good enough are we even going to make the playoffs and now look what they've done. Fantastic. And of course, that continued, Stewie. We might as well talk about the game at Derby at the weekend. Um, another 2-0 win, three straight 2-0 wins, another win at a promotion rival, another clean sheet, um, and another impressive performance. Yeah, Kieran McKenna said afterwards that it was um, a performance that had a bit of everything. Connor Chaplin said it was almost the perfect away day display. And they're right. Um it needed Ipswich to be clinical on the counter-attack. It needed them to be resilient either side of half-time when Derby got themselves right back into it. Derby, I thought, played pretty well, to be fair to them. They were a team under pressure, scrapping to get a top-six spot. And they um, they had periods of this game, as I say, either side of half-time, well on top. So Ipswich had to, to ride that out. They also needed a key ingredient of a little bit of luck at the uh, at the right moments, which earlier in the season wasn't happening for Ipswich. We had deflected goals going in. Um, we had refereeing decisions go against Ipswich. All things like that. And it, uh, how often did we keep sort of saying, well, hopefully it will even itself out. The old adage of it will even itself out over the course of the season. Well, Ipswich are cashing in on that, that uh, good luck credit at just the right time of the season. Um, McGoldrick missed a bit of a sitter of a header just before half-time. And then the the disallowed goal, which I'm still not sure about, to be honest. I know there's people going, oh, there's a clear foul on Cameron <laughs> Burgess near post. Not for me. It's the sort of uh, contact and collisions that you get in most penalty boxes for corners. Um, McGoldrick doesn't make contact with the ball. You could argue he's, he's offside and has thrown a leg at it with intent but put it this way if it had gone against Ipswich you wouldn't be happy so um, that was a that was a big moment a big moment in the game but overall over the course of the the 90 minutes I thought Ipswich were really good value for another massive massive win on the road just like Bolton Mm. and Rossi before the game was surprised to see that Leif Davis wasn't wasn't playing found out late he's got an injury hamstring injury picked up in midweek so Greg Lee came in for his first start since I think the 2nd of January. Um, how did he do? Because by all accounts, he, he was pretty impressive. Yeah, he's never let us down, to be fair, Greg. Um, you know, we know he's, a, he's an athlete, which I know you love that, Heafy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course, Leif Davis is a very different player to Greg Lee. Um, 
Of course, he's the man who's getting us assists this year. But um, I thought he was he played really well. Um, he had to fight up against uh, Nathaniel Mendez Lang, and he's a big boy as well. Mm. So that was a nice little battle between them two. Um, but yeah, I thought he did he did fantastically. Um, maybe didn't go maybe as forward as maybe Leif Davis would do. Um, but for his first start since in the league since January the mm. second, he, of course, he made his start against Burnley in the FA Cup in February, but. You know, fair play to Greg coming in. Um, some people maybe was like, "Oh no, what's happened to Leaf?" But uh, but yeah, fair play to Greg. And you know, he's you know, players have come out, even McKenna's come out and impressed by his display at Derby. So mm. well played, Greg. Mm. Another question for you, Stewie, on, uh, around this game. The first goal, wonderful flowing counter-attacking move. What was it eleven seconds, six touches from Walton to the back of the net? Where does that sit? In the in the best goals that Town have scored this season, got to be right up there. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Ipswich, what have we got? Broadhead's free kick against <coughs> Sheffield Wednesday. It's been. It depends what what's your jam when it comes to football. We talked about uh, what we all like: diving yeah. headers, rockets from outside the box. The good thing for me is it shows that there's real variety to Ipswich Town's attack um, after that Bristol Rovers game. And we were kind of picking the bones out of why Ipswich weren't picking up the wins as much as they were. Are they too predictable was was something that we talked about. A lot of the goals were coming through the same route of, of get the ball, work the ball down the flanks, cut the ball back score that way they're now adding a bit more variety to their to their play and um yeah rapid rapid counter-attacks and, and McKenna said afterwards that you'll struggle to find a better example that one will be on a sort of coach's best practice guide all around the country and around the world in terms of how you can counter from a, from a corner yeah he really broke it down in in the way that he does in terms of your goalkeeper coming and being brave and, and claiming <coughs> the ball high and then he talked about the zigzag motion up the pitch, which doesn't allow the the opposition to kind of settle, um, and just the execution at the end of it. Really, um, broad broadheads crossfield pass slash crosses is sublime. Uh, the header from Burns is really composed as well. He has to put a little bit of power on that to to find the gap. Um, and then yeah, Chaplin cool as cool as you like, one touch with his chests. Finds the bottom corner. Afterwards, he sort of played it down and went, oh, that's, an e that's an easy chance. When your teammate, talking about getting to 20 goals, when your teammates put them on a plate for you like that, you know, that's uh, that. the finish is the easy part of it. But I think he's he's, he's doing him a disservice there. That would have been easy to sort of panic in that, in that situation, put it too close to the goalkeeper. But he's just just got this knack of uh, finding finding the corners of the net, hasn't he, under pressure. So, um very, very good goal. I'd have to go back through them all and and, uh, and see which other ones. I'm sure that there's been a lot of good ones, but yeah, right up there, Mark. They scored a lot. Uh, 74 goals, isn't it, League One? Mm. By far and away, the, the League One leading scorers. Do you know what I think added to the sex appeal of the goal, as you say, Stu, is that, that crossfield pass, the diagonal ball, you know, like um, KV White and Macaulay Bond, when it was that, that similar, similar kind of scenario, mm. that beautiful lofted diagonal ball. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful to watch. And the second goal, um, George Hurst making it three and three, that was a obviously a very different goal, but also a really, really good finish, considering having the angle he was at, having to twist and shoot 
on the ball as it came to him. Um, kind of run towards the ball and then twist back on himself. Really, really good finish, Chewie. Yeah, uh, the reactions, he's actually sort of had to turn, run back on himself, retrieve mm. the ball, pivot and and finish first time in its top corner. There's people on the line. That's a, a hell of a finish uh, mm. after another really good counter-attacking move, much like the, the opener at Bolton. It's Wes Burns intercepting the ball. Uh, this time even deeper than at Bolton. I think he was inside his own box when he nicked the ball. Um, Morsi this time off his so-called weaker left foot to hook the ball perfectly into his pass. And that is the Wes Burns of old. We've been talking for a few weeks now about Burns getting his mojo back, having that turn of pace, having that desire to take people on, which had just seemed to have faded either side of Christmas. But uh, I don't know what it is. He's um, He's got his mojo back now. That was electric pace to... Uh, to get away, um, you thought the chance had gone when he put it too close to the goalkeeper. But as we say, what a finish from George Hurst. Mm. Three and three now, Rossi, for George Hurst. We talked again in, in that kind of Bristol Rovers breakdown as where things have been going wrong. One of the things we mentioned was consistency of selection and there not really being a consistency, there being too much chopping and changing. And it feels like that has been a big key to this run. There's, there has been a lot more kind of settled team selection hasn't there to the point where it got it really got to the point where the only question around the side really was who starts up top and now with Hurst three and three do you feel like that's kind of answered that as well yeah he's the man and he he's the man in form three and three and you know going back to that goal I didn't know how good it was until I watched it back because at the time um you know it's just quick fast motion in it you know as mm. Wes Burns that was a fantastic run from him but for George Hurst to really go back on himself and finish I thought that was a, a fantastic goal but yeah right now why change it they're winning games George Hurst is scoring goals um you know as players are getting tired then you, you replace him you know Leif Davis was the hamstring problem so that's why Greg Lee came in but Hurst is a man scoring the goals you know Freddie we all love Freddie don't we you know and he, he had a great form scoring goals himself but George Hurst at the moment he's once again He's improving every game. You know, he had a yeah. fantastic game against Bolton, had a great game against Shrewsbury. And once again, he was probably pick of the bunch. Um, of course, it was a great team performance, but Hurst up top, he did everything you wanted him to do as a striker. So Hurst is the man. Do you feel like that's been key for this this stretch, Stewie? Kind of more consistency in team selection? It feels like the team is pretty much picking itself now. Yeah, I... <clears throat> I think ultimately, if you said to me, what, what's the difference now over these last few weeks? It's been the January signings. It, mm. it comes down to the, the quality of your starting eleven and Ipswich have have gone up a level in terms of their overall quality of the eleven. The players that have come into the team have, I think, to a man, all, all proved upgrades. Um, no knock on those that were playing before, but Nathan Broadhead in particular has added an unbelievable X factor to this team. It was him in the first 20 minutes played with a real football arrogance. And I mean that in the best possible sense of just, you want players somewhere that just go out there and just believe in themselves. Give me the ball. Uh, you know, I'm better than you when I get the ball. He, uh, I'm sure that his Wales debut goal has added, added that and he looked like someone that was like get get me out of this division I'm better than this and um yeah he had Derby scared in those first 20 minutes they didn't know what to do with him if they got tight he could beat them with his with his control and, and his his footwork if they backed off him he, he ran at them and had them backpedaling 
Um, yeah, he looks... Uh, he's. I mean, if he stays fit, that's the only question mark against his career so far. If he stays fit, Ipswich are going to turn a hell of a profit on him at some stage. Yeah, uh, and obviously Morsi and Luongo again. Luongo's done nothing but win since, since coming to the side. Um, do you think, even if Lee Evans was fit, do you think that would be the, the way they'd go now? I think so. Uh, again, it's no knock on the players that have played alongside Sam Morsi previously. As a, mm. uh, Long-term listeners of, of this podcast will know I'm a big fan of Lee Evans and I think he's someone that Ipswich have missed when, he, when he's not around. But for the here and now in League One, I think Luongo brings some tenacity to the party, some of that grit. Some of that desire that I think uh, are just sort of yeah qualities that are needed for for when the going gets tough. Lee Evans has got that lovely range of passing. Cameron Humphreys is clearly a very very talented young man that's that's going places. But I think Luongo's just added the right sort of gritty qualities as as well as being a very good technical player, of course. But I think um, you know that Ipswich won that midfield battle. Uh, on on Saturday, I think Derby changed both their central midfielders in the second half, which which tells you a lot. Clark's added a bit of di- uh, extra sort of dynamism and freshness to to the right back slot again. No knock on Janoy Danassian, who has played a, a huge role in this season, and Hurst. Again, no knock on Freddie Ladapo, but I think he's just maybe added a little bit more all round qualities. Um, I think he can run in behind. He's got that little bit of extra pace than than Freddie Ladapo. Um, so yeah, the the January signings is is what's taken Ipswich to uh, to a new level over these last few weeks, and it just took them a few weeks just to just to bed in. But uh, mm. they're there now, and so are Ipswich. And just finally, before we move on from Derby, we should reflect Rossi, Connor Chaplin. scoring twenty goals for the season, hitting that twenty mark. Obviously, Andy Warren will tell him that doesn't count because he's only got 17 or whatever it is in the league. Um, but again, that's another one of those things that you kind of have in the back of your head for a side pushing for promotion, need a 20-goal striker. And whether or not that comes in the league or whatever, and I'm sure he'd probably get them in the league anyway. But again, that's another kind of key thing for the town to tick off almost. Yeah, 17 is not too bad, though. You know, 17 <laughs> out, of those, out of those 20 goals in the league. So... Um, but yeah, he's he's just a fantastic player in your college chaplain. Once again, playing in a division that's he's too good for. Um, he dropped down a level when he first signed, of course, last summer. Um, this, you know, the season before mm. the summer just gone. You know, you, everyone knows. Yeah, everyone knows. I'm with you. But um, yeah, but yeah. Once again, he was calm and just collected for, the, for his finish. And you know, he scored a lot of braces. He's still waiting for that hat trick, isn't he? Still waiting for that hat trick. Maybe just waiting for that key moment. Maybe Barnsley on his return to Oakwell. Um, but he's just a fantastic player, and I just love watching him play. He's just here, there, and everywhere. And he, as Stu mentioned back in, I think it was October time, he's that, um, that hamster, muscle hamster, um, <laughs> and he's just a great character as well. Um, you know, from I don't know if you saw what the club put out on a Sunday, yeah. from celebrating a goal at Derby to then celebrating with um, some kids. Um, yeah, he's just a great player to have at the football club, and um, yeah, I think he's going to score more. He's a top goal scorer. <clears throat> Glowing plays from McKenna, from McKenna about Connor at the end, just calling him a fantastic character and someone mm. who loves his football, which I've said on here before is not always the case of professional football. Isn't you know, and in, in anyone in any industry, even if it's your your love and your passion, it can become more of a job. But Connor Chaplin loves his football, and uh, he's fully invested in this football club. He does all his work with the foundation and the community stuff. When I went to watch that uh, talk with Jason Shecterly recently, who'd, who'd come over, um, 
he did a few more sessions on his second visit for the youth team players. Who was there again? Connor Chaplin came back to watch it again just so he could see Jason at the end. Um, he is a fantastic asset for this football club on and off the pitch. And mm. uh, do you know what I love the most about Connor Chaplin's performance on Saturday was when Ipswich were 2-0 up and they'd broken Derby spirits. The game was won. They wanted that clean sheet. And Connor Chaplin raced back about 50, 60 yards and made a slide, hook slide tackle from behind. And um, they did not lose their focus at all. And I thought that moment epitomised the uh, the hunger and the desire and this sort of eye of the tiger spirit about Ipswich at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else from the game, boys, either on or off the pitch? Any notes from the road? Anything else to mention before we move on? I'll quickly mention um, before Stu can round off Derby. Um, just the togetherness at the end, just the you know the celebrations, the away, you know the way fans were incredible, you know three thousand plus, but just that togetherness. You know, Kieran McKenna I'll still probably mention this in a minute, but he probably the most passionate he's been. I'm not saying he's not been passionate, but he loved that win. He absolutely mm. loved that win, um, and all the players loved it. And I actually had to peek behind the curtain thing here. I was at the other end. So I wanted to capture those celebrations. I wanted to sort of be there. So I had to sort of get up. I didn't run because I didn't want to make a fool of myself, but I sort of ran down, walked down and captured that moment. But I just, it was just fantastic to see the fans, the players. And for the first time in a long time, it just felt that togetherness. Mm. Um, and this team is special. And um, those fans are loving it at the moment. Yeah, it felt like a, a just a real proper football match, a proper occasion. It was a bit of nervous in the air I felt before kickoff from Derby they felt like a team that were faltering a little bit and there was a bit of nerves could Ipswich kind of harness that and turn the home crowd yes they could inside those opening 20 minutes but then Pride Park best part of 30,000 there came alive with sense of injustice with the referee and it was kind of fever pitch atmosphere and I said this in the post-match video what I again another marker of how far Ipswich have come just within this season is how emotionally they dealt with that. It would have been very easy for people to lose their heads and, and start losing their discipline and giving away free kicks and, and yellow cards and things. Um, but they didn't. They kept their heads. Um, and it was, yeah, they just the, the scenes at the end were very different to Bolton, where the, the fans had been stuck up in the gods at, at Bolton, and it's not quite the same. They're they're in that little corner at Derby and they're surrounded by Derby fans on both sides and I felt like that really added to the atmosphere as well. I know we're having this debate about whether Ipswich can do something at Portman Road to get kind of the away fans nearer to the to the more vocal home fans in the North Stand and that's got its logistical issues in terms of where the away fans come in and out of the ground. But it does add something to the atmosphere. It just felt like a real high stakes proper football match. Great atmosphere. Um, Loved it. Loved everything about Saturday. Brilliant. Fantastic. Right, let's draw a line under Derby because it was a few days ago now. And let's move forward with something else very positive, boys. I saw it was positive anyway. It was interesting. The accounts, the annual um, kind of test of our, our brain for numbers as journalists, which generally speaking, journalists hate numbers. So it's pretty much the rule across the board. Unless you're talking about percentage increase in knife crime or percentage increase in MP salaries, journalists don't really do numbers. But once a year, we have to for the Ipswich Town accounts. They were out on Monday, Stu, um, and I ended up writing them because you were all off. Uh, so I was sat on my sofa trying to decipher it all. Um, and it, uh, having looked through it all and, and kind of spoken to people and 
you know, that kind of thing at the club. Um, it, it feels like it again, it was it was it was a really positive set of numbers. Whenever these came out over the past few years, it was always oh, how much has the debt gone up by? How much more do they owe? Oh, has it reached 100 million yet? And this time, for the first time, and as long as I can remember, it was, have you seen how much the owners have put in? How much investment they've made? So I should say, if you've not seen the accounts, obviously the accounts are released like a year um, behind. So these are accounts up to the end of June 2022. So the demolition man summer and the kind of first full season or part season of the owners. So the accounts showed that the owners invested 14.25 million in that in that time spell. And then there's always notes at the end of accounts, which notes that since then there's been a further 17.9 million put in. So more than 30 million the, the new owners have invested. And obviously that's funding various things around Portman Road and beyond. We've got the new pitch coming up this summer, all that kind of stuff. Um so 32 point whatever it was million invested. Wage bill gone up by three million, which I thought was interesting. Um and <laughs> Yes, the losses increased. They went up to 12.6 million. But as I understand it, that's essentially because they're, they're spending more money. The expenditure, operating expenditure went up by 9 million. Um, so making a loss is what they expected. And there's actually a note in the accounts that says, we recognise the club is loss-making and it will continue to be loss-making essentially until they get promoted. But the owners have got deep enough pockets to cover the, the losses and more. Um so yeah, what did you make of him? I know you. I know obviously you weren't intimately involved because you were on the golf course yelling four and putting for birdies and whatnot. Um, but I don't think you can look at them. I mean, we've got used to it being such a negative thing. The accounts. But I don't think you can look at these ones and go, Ooh, anything other than wow. It's nice to see some investment. It's nice to see the right things being said. Significant mm. investment in the notes, for example. Yeah, we've we've known that there's significant money behind Ipswich and that they're. Mm. That they're investing both on and off the pitch we've had a rough idea of, of what a lot of these transfer fees have been we've seen with our own eyes the improvements being made at, at the training ground and at portman road um we know this ownership group because of where the money comes from will need a return on investment at some stage but they've very articulately and openly explained how that is a long-term plan um and they're prepared to speculate to accumulate over, over the long run and the first step is obviously to get out of this division um yes plenty of money is going in agents fees have gone up wage bills have gone up all that sort of thing but it's also nice to see on those spreadsheet the, the impact of you know retail has gone through the roof uh season ticket sales and ticket income uh the ed sheeran sponsorship money so obviously which are working within the constraints of uh, salary cost management protocol in League One, it will become the slightly different but similar principled FFP, financial fair play, if when they get themselves up into the championship. So this is very, very carefully thought out. And uh, But the bottom line is there's money behind here. You, you know, you've outlined those figures there in terms of £30 million. Pounds. Let's be frank, that is pennies to this ownership mark steed outlined from day one how was it 700 billion or something ridiculous in in that pension pot so yeah this is this is small fry for them just to get out of this this division um 
and uh, yeah, there, there is more. There is more to come. That is clear in terms of the investment. Yeah, just to, other kind of key things you might have missed. Um, season tickets. Say you mentioned to you, I think it says they made twelve point seven million from season tickets, which is very very nice indeed. Um, transfers. They spent three point four million on transfers and sold players for two point six million. I think that included the main one. There would have been Flynn Downs, Andre Giselle, was just before the cutoff. Um, and also in in the notes again which is kind of what's happened since the reporting period. It says they've signed players uh, with a value of 5.9 million. So obviously we know who they've signed um, and that's kind of an estimated value of those those assets. So all uh, all very much going in the right direction, mm. exciting to look at. Oh, yes, Stu? I've just got to correct myself. Sorry, I was, <laughs> I was got slightly carried away with those figures just now. 13 billion of yeah. which seven seven hundred million in cash was the uh, the quotes from how much is in that pension pot, but uh, yeah, significant money. You could make it rain for a long time, couldn't you? With seven hundred million in cash, I wonder if it which should be over first. Would it be thirteen hours? Would Town concede a goal, or would you still be doing that for? You just do make it rain with with seven hundred million in cash, just like that. Just keep making it rain. What what opportunity? I'd like that opportunity, friends. If, uh, if we could sort that out with Game Changer, yeah. So good news. On off the pitch, on the pitch as well. Clearly, we've talked about and more good news off the pitch uh, yesterday, with uh, with news that one of our favourites here on the Kings of Anglia podcast, the Denaysense, JD, has got an extra year on his deal. Rossi, club have taken the option, um, so he'll be here through next season as well. Clearly, he's lost his his kind of starting spot, um, which is just another one of these parts of his up and down journey, roller coaster at town, but he is still a very, very valuable squad player. Um, can obviously play multiple positions and, and it's probably still one of the best one-on-one defenders, if not the best one-on-one defender at the club. Um, what did you make of it? Pleased? Yeah, of course that was, uh, had to be done pretty much. Mm. If it's there, take the option. And I'm, I'm sure he's happy to, to remain at town. Um, he's still a valuable, very valuable player. Um, you know, he came off the bench for Derby against Derby, um, and that's, that's his role at the moment. You know, Harry Clark has took that position to another level, but um, Janoy is still a key player in his squad, and um, I think a lot of town fans are happy. I think he's a. I think even players have come out. Even McKenna's come out and said, you know, he's such a a great character to have in the in the dressing room, and you know, he's got a great relationship with you know Wes Burns, Connor Chaplin, and and the rest. I'm sure. Um, you can see even on Instagram, people, you know, screenshotting the the news and they're all happy for him. So um, a very good player. And I think fans love him as well, don't they? And of course, we love him on this podcast. So, uh, yeah, another year with JD. And I'm sure he, he'll just be another key player in this squad going forward as always. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a great guy to have in the squad, isn't he, Stewie? JD? Yeah, low maintenance, versatile. Still at a good age at 29 years of age. That was an absolute no-brainer to take the... Uh, to take the option there, he may find himself with, with less start time going forwards. But like you say, he's someone that's had such a roller coaster time at Ipswich Town. Um, he looks like he's, he'll get his head around uh, that role in, in the squad going forwards. So, uh, yeah, I think when we looked at those contract situations, I always felt it was going to lead to Ipswich taking the option mm. on him pleased that they've they've done that sort of sooner rather than later so he knows he knows where he stands and um who knows he might have a he might have a role to play in these next few games that we saw with Greg Lee at the weekend and as McKenna said these squad players now 
you've got to be ready because your your opportunity might come when you you least expect it. So, um, yeah, he's he's had a very big role in this season, and I hope that people don't forget that further down mm. the line. If if this season ends the way we hope it does, that there'll be a certain eleven that will probably roll off the tongue that includes a lot of these these January signings for reasons dis- discussed. But um, yeah, JD's played a, a very big role in getting Ipswich to. Uh, to the position they were in just a few weeks ago. Mm. I hesitate to ask you this, Stu, because I don't know if you've got it to hand, but how many other players have we got in that kind of situation with with options to be taken? Uh, bear with me one moment. Uh, I can get you a little list up. I'm I, know pretty you'll have sure... a list. I know you'll have a list somewhere. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll just chat to Rossi. Excel spreadsheet just, that I'll, I'll just chat to Rossi in the meantime. Rossi, how are you? How's your beard? Did you get your uh, your Manscaped uh, Weed Whacker 2.0? Yes. I did, yeah. My 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 missus was a bit confused. Like, what what is this? And I went, it's for the nose. It's for yeah. the ears. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a slightly questionable device if you didn't know what it was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably not an issue for you yet, you yet Rossi, because you're still in the, in the in the kind of first flush of youth. Um, mm. I don't know how your your kind of nasal and ear hair situation is. The ear is fine, but I've just noticed that I've got a bit, in, you know, because it's because I got my beard ear. You don't yeah. see it as much, but if that was gone, yeah, it's, I'm, so I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to use it at some stage and give you my review because it is. You getting, want yeah. you want to worry about it when the the nose and the nose hair grows into the beard. That's when you're really yeah. in trouble. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Manscaped has just released a new weed whacker for the old ear and nose. Um, we've all got ourselves one, um, and if you want. One for yourself, use the code KOA at manscaped.com. 20% off and free delivery. They are properly, and I'm not just saying this because they sponsor us, they are really, really good bits of kit, uh, especially for gentlemen of a certain age, of which I am definitely in that age bracket now. Sort of age bracket where you go for a haircut and uh, the barber spends, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds just trimming your ears at the end. And you think, this is this is what it's come to, Heath. This is the age you're at now. Uh, and I think Watson's probably also heading towards that echelon now in terms of ear and nose hair. Have I filled enough time, Stewie, for you to find this list? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if this is completely comprehensive, so it has a, yep. a little asterisk next to it. But um, Kane Vincent Young is definitely one. It's which have the option on him. That's going to be very interesting. I would mm. suggest that things are maybe coming to the end of the road for, for Kane, yeah. especially with uh, you know with Harry Clark signed and, and Genoi having taken his deal, uh, it's a shame because uh, just injuries have, have held Kane back, haven't they, ultimately? Um, who else have we got on here? Richard Keogh. Um, I don't know if there's an option there, but again, you would you would imagine he's, he's probably served his purpose. Maybe a coaching role yeah. available for him. He certainly seems to have made a real impression on, on people behind the scenes and has become part of this sort of leadership group. Um Massimo Luongo, of course, where Kieran McKenna's just sort of said we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it in the summer. I'm sure that'll be dependent on, on where Ipswich are at, whether Massimo has managed to, to see out the season fully fit or not. Shawnee Aluko is another. That's that's going to be interesting to see which way that tips. He's obviously not been making squads of, of late with, with the players that came in over January. Uh, who else have we got? Might be one or two of the lone players, people like Matt Penny, uh, others like that. That looks yeah. like thing, things are coming to an end for someone like him. So, 
Um, no, no one, uh, no sort of major key players to this team. Luongo probably being the, the only one at the moment. Um, yeah, and it sounds like Luongo aside, you'd expect most of those just to kind of move on, wouldn't you? From what, what, what we've been saying there. I think so, very much with with good wishes and goodwill mm. as well for for all of those players. But um, Ipswich are moving at a, at a pace as a football club now. Um, again, Shawnee Luko, I think, has, has started to think about um, maybe the next step for him. I'm sure he'll want to play as long as he possibly can. He reminded everyone in those in those Burnley games, particularly the away game, of of his qualities and. Um, how much of a joy he he is to watch. I'm not sure sort of playing-wise he'll have a role to play for Ipswich going forwards. Um, I'm sure they've helped him kind of start thinking about coaching and things like that, but he strikes me as someone that might want to keep playing for a little bit longer before he goes into that. But McKenna is very quick uh, to tell you that people like Keo, Aluko, um, have played very big roles behind the scenes as part of their their experience and their leadership and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, they're in a pretty good good place, I would say, contract-wise. And Ashton will, will say that he's always thinking about the, the moving pieces of the jigsaw that you've got to make sure that players coming back from loan that you've got to factor in and, and players, you know, young youth players coming through and not blocking pathways and things like that. So you've, you've got to have a certain players sort of tipping over the edge at one end to allow to allow others to to come through and I think Ipswich are, are doing pretty well on that forward planning side of things mm, yeah town are in a good place Stu and we're in a good place in this podcast 40 minutes in let's fill the final 10 to 15 minutes or so looking ahead to these Easter games um first of all before we get to the games is Easter a thing in your respective households are there, have you got eggs aplenty for your loved ones Stewie I would imagine your young daughter, Aya, will be expecting legions of chocolate, will she? Yeah, yeah, copious amounts of chocolate, uh, all that Easter egg hunts in the garden. Um, nice. Yeah, the, we'll do a little, uh, do some clues to find them, hide them around the house. The Easter bunny will have left some clues, all that, all that good stuff, yeah. Do you do an Easter egg hunt for Sasha, Rossi? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I see behind Stu, he's got some Easter eggs there. Is that, are they yours for like just little treats or are they? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They are. I don't know what those ones are. Just surplus, just in case yeah. you need them. I think, Why not? I think my mum gave me those ones, but yeah, there's oh. there's a few more down on the floor down there as well. Nice. Lots of can chocolate. I, can I shock you? Chocolate is overrated. What? Ooh. Absolutely. Very overrated Jesus. for me. Um, unless we're talking about Reese's, chocolate and peanut butter, or maybe some high-end artis artisanal chocolate. Well, that's standard. overrated. Start don't standard don't mess up now. Don't mess about with chocolate. It's very overrated for me. Oh, it's not would not be high on my list of guilty pleasure foods, but then I am frequently left out in the cold when it comes to popular opinion. I'll just throw that in there. Don't get me excited on Yorkshire puddings either. Because that's nothing to do with Easter. Right then, what has got to do with Easter, friends, is Wickham at home, Cheltenham away. Let's talk about that now, Stuart Watson, because Ipswich Town can tie their club record with two wins in these next two games. But I have to say, as ever, won't be easy, will it? No. <laughs> uh, that, that will be the line going into these, these two games. Um, I'm sure Kieran McKenna won't even entertain 
talking about Cheltenham when we speak to him tomorrow because mm. it's this one game at a time mantra, which is which is only correct. Um, not worrying about anybody else's form, not worrying about the league table. Um, it's what we can do and the way Ipswich are playing at the moment. No one will want to play them. There's a fear factor about Ipswich, no doubt about it at the moment. Um, Wickham, Wickham are a team that have, still can get in the playoffs. They're only two points off, off six. This looks like there's a five-way fight for those bottom two playoff spots. The top four have gone, but you've got Bolton, Peterborough, Derby, Wickham and Portsmouth all, all scrambling to get fifth and sixth. Um, but Wickham have... have not been the same Wickham uh, mm. since Gareth Ainsworth left. Matt Bloomfield, uh, who I, th- I believe still lives in Felixstone, was doing a bit of coaching at Ipswich um, before he went to take over as Colchester manager. Obviously, a short-lived stay there and then back back to Wickham, a club where he's a, a proper club legend uh, to take over from Ainsworth. They've, they've won two, drawn three, lost three since he took over in, in the middle of February. And... They've got a lot of injuries at the moment. They've got people like Gareth McCleary, Sam Vokes, Jordan Abita, all out. Uh, Mametti, uh, massive player for them. They sold to Bristol City in, in January. Alfie Mawson, who played against Ipswich uh, in the reverse fixture back in December. That ended up being the last game of his career. Unfortunately, he had to retire with a knee injury at the age of 29. So I looked at their team from the weekend. They drew 2-2 with MK Dons and there's a bit of inexperience in there. They've got a young lad, Campbell, on the right, who's uh, on loan from Wolves. That was only his sixth league start. Um, uh, their number 10, Bar, that was only his fourth league start in senior football. So uh, they're not this kind of gnarled, experienced, um, streetwise Wickham Ainsworth team that we've seen, I would suggest, over, over the first few years in, in League One for Ipswich. I think they're probably a lesser side than when Ipswich faced them in December. And Ipswich mm. are certainly a better side than the one that uh, that went and lost at Adams Park uh, in the in the middle of the December. Rossi, if... I mean, obviously, we don't know what's happening with Leif Davis. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, but all things being equal, same team again, just go again. Stick with the, the winning side? Yeah, I'll go with that. Because, yeah, why why change a winning team? You know, winning formula and all that. Um, if some players need, you know, because we've got a two, because what's that? In, you know, two, two and four. Two games in, in two and four. So um, maybe the Cheltenham game is where you make the changes. Um, you know, sold out Portman Roads. You know, once again, yeah. it's, just, it's just, oh, it's no surprise now. That, you know, town fans are going to pack out every stand they can. Um you know, I think Cheltenham's pretty sold out as well. So, um, love that. But yeah, we need to do one over Wickham because that was dreadful at Adams Park. It was cold. We had like 20 plus shots. They had a few. They scored from one of them. Um, so, we need to get revenge over Wickham. Um, so, yeah, bring it on. Ipswich was by far the better team in that game. It was another one of those examples. And, and you can say that actually about, I think, pretty much all the games that Ipswich have lost this season. Lincoln certainly deserved more from the Plymouth game. Uh, Oxford was obviously the fog situation, but Ipswich, yeah, were well on top in the opening stages of that game at Wickham. Chaplin, um, for once, didn't take a good chance inside the box. The goal Ipswich conceded was was dreadful. Hanlon, if you remember, kind of wriggled his way past Humphreys and Burgess and Keogh couldn't get quite across to it. So, and, uh, so 
that was a rubbish goal to concede. It was just one one of those days of of which there's not been many. But that was a good performance. And as I say, um, I look back at that that team from that day, and that had people like uh, Keogh played, Kane Vincent Young played, Humphreys, Jackson, Ladapo. So Wickham are going to be facing a very different Ipswich side this time around. Um, it's it's impossible not to feel confident about Ipswich at the moment. You, we we can talk about the opposition all we want. Um, the way Ipswich are playing at the moment, uh, they won't care who they who they face. Hmm. And as you say, Rossi, twenty eight and a half thousand people packed into Portman Road for a good Friday game against Wickham. That's just how we roll at the moment. Um, I know you say let's not talk about the opposition too much, Stu. So let's not hmm. talk about Cheltenham too much. But of these two games on paper. Looks for me, it feels like Cheltenham's going to be the harder game in terms of form. They're right up there over the last six games. I think they're fourth in the form table, just like Town have had this morning. Christian Walton and Kieran McKenna both nominated in the, in the League One March Awards. They've had a double nomination as well. Um, how are you feeling about this one on the, on on Easter Monday? Yeah, Chel- Cheltenham are six unbeaten. They, they've won three 0 at Peterborough during that time. They've been particularly strong at, at Wadden Road. Um, Yes, Barnsley went there and beat them 4-0 on their own patch in the middle of February. But since then, I think they've gone five games without a defeat um, at their home stadium. They were 2-0 up against Sheffield Wednesday recently. That finished 2-0. Alfie May scoring goals again, as he did last season. I think he's up to 16 now, of which uh, quite a few have come in, in the last little run. So... Uh, again, another another game where Ipswich have, have wanted to take a bit of revenge and put something right. Um, that was 1-1 at Portman Road. Looked like they'd done all the hard work when Luke Wolfenden scored very early on. Switched off a little bit. Goal against the runner play. That was when Christian Walton got beaten at his near post um, quite poorly by, by uh, Ryan Broom. And uh, yeah, Ipswich were, were all over them after that and just, just couldn't couldn't find a way through. So do you remember Kamara hit the post quite late on and, and Kyle Edwards bent across that was sort of inches away from Kamara. Um, again, another game where they had best part of 30 shots and loads of corners and all the possession, but um, couldn't see it over the line. So um, yeah, again, you could argue that this, this could be a tricky game for, for, for Ipswich given, given where Cheltenham are at, but if anyone's squad is is built to kind of deal with the rigours of, of two games in four days over Easter, it's Ipswich's. Maybe that's a situation where, you know, suddenly Freddie Dapo gets the nod in one of these two games and uh, they might have to freshen something up in midfield. I don't know how robust Luongo is going to be for this sort of period. Uh, Jackson might suddenly get the nod for one of these games, but you wouldn't have any fears or qualms about any of those sort of players stepping in for, for these sort of matches, I don't think. Hmm. Rossi, how are you feeling about Cheltenham away? Yeah, echo what Stu said. Yeah, we had 30-plus shots against them and just scored one. That was a frustrating um, afternoon at Porn Road that day. And yeah, they've they're, they're really improved since then. I thought, I know this is their second season in League One and the second season syndrome, but I think they're pretty safe. So, um, but yeah, Alpha May scoring the goals. Um, one thing I want to add, actually, we didn't, I didn't, I mentioned this on the fan social, but um, isn't it nice we actually have an Easter sort of weekend of football? Last time it was a Saturday against Rotherham on TV, then we had Wigan on Tuesday, but it's nice to actually have Good Friday, Easter Monday. I don't, it's not ruined anybody's plans this time around. Everyone can have a nice Good Friday at Porton Road, and if they are going to China once Monday, they can have a nice Easter Monday watching football. Um, yeah, Chapman Town, 
Once again, we need to get one over them. We have never beaten them since we played them. We, we lost 2-1 back at their place last year. They We then drew against them, Porton Road, last year as well. Of course, we drew earlier in the season. So we need to get one over them and have a record to be broken. Is that a football fact? We've never, Tara have never beaten Cheltenham. Like in a professional sense, we may have beaten them in a, I don't know, in a friendly or something, but we only ever played them three times. So. I like it. I like it. That was the uh, the long throw game, wasn't it? Um, from, yeah. is it Tozer who went on to go to Wrexham? I forgot about that game very early on last season. So Tal could, Tal could both tie a club record with, with nine straight wins on Monday and also beat Cheltenham for the first time. Records yeah. tumbling left, right and centre. Um, can I push you for predictions now, boys? I want a double prediction here. Um, I'm going to start with you, Rossi. Wickham at home, Cheltenham away. What are you saying? Are we going to concede? Are we going to concede? Not against Wickham. I think that's going to be another 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. Do you want, do you want Cheltenham as well? I want Cheltenham now as well. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave me uh, Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, oh, that... Oh, we're going to beat them. We're going to beat them. Yeah. Um, although that could be one of those games where they, they'll frustrate us. And we could Don't a say a draw or a win. I want an actual no, prediction. No. 2-1. They, they'll, they'll score a uh, you know, scrappy goal or something. So, yeah, the clean sheet record will be gone. But nine wins in a row. Club record. Tied for club record. It'd be interesting to yeah. see when, if and when they do concede another goal, assuming they will, will concede before the end of the season, how Walton reacts. Because I'd imagine the longer this goes on, the more proud he is of it uh, and the more angry he'll be when his his line is finally breached. I think the correct thing for the goalkeeper to do in that scenario is you've got to turn around and do the frustrate, frustrated boot the ball back into your own goal after conceding. You don't see that enough in football yeah. anymore these days. That used to be a staple of things growing up. The goalkeeper would just lash the ball into the back of his own net in frustration. Um, yeah. Are we going to see that this weekend? Stewie, is, is Christian Walton, is he finally going to concede? What do you think the scores are going to be? We have got a roles reverse situation here. Ross has gone first and I'm going yeah. to do a, I agree with Ross. No, come on. Situation. No, literally no one's ever said that. I'm really confident about Friday, famous last words, but I think yeah. Wickham have got a squad's a little bit stretched at the moment. Uh, Ipswich oozing confidence, backed by a home crowd. Um, I think they'll win and keep the clean sheet run going. I think I was t- just to be different to Ross, I'll upgrade it to a 3 0, but I did have 2 0 in, in my mind. Mondays, yeah, it has got more of a pot- potential banana skin situation, less time to prepare, bit of travel, quick turnarounds. I think the clean sheet record might go in that game, but I have to I have to back Ipswich to keep going. So I'm, I'm going to go with, with Ross's prediction as well. I'll say 2 1 Ipswich. Imagine that, boys. Next time we sit down and record, Ipswich Town would have won nine games in a row if that comes to pass after that terrible night on at one, on Valentine's Day at Bristol. To think they would then rip off nine in a row. Football, bloody hell. I know I said it before, but it, it just sums it up, doesn't it? Um, anything else to mention, boys? We've, we've done 55 minutes or so coming up on. Anything else to mention before we take our leave? Can I, shall I delete that article that we did at the time in the chat about what's gone wrong at Ipswich and dissecting everything that was... Uh, the way I like to was... see that is that was the catalyst. Okay. That's what turned things around and, and we should take credit for it. Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, that was entirely justified at the time. It makes us look a little bit silly now, now they've done what they've done. But uh, in terms of at the time, four wins in 15, 
you know, that's a lot of games and things were not going well. It's easy to mm. kind of sit here now on the back of seven straight wins and and forget that, but they weren't going well. Um, and they've turned it around. All credit to them. We, we wondered, I wondered aloud if they were good enough. And they've uh, they've put egg all over my face as it stands. Yes. And it's never um, tasted so good. And seeing exactly. as I'm eating 40 eggs a week or whatever <laughs> it is, more please, bring keep bringing the egg. Feed me more egg. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, the job is still to be done, Stu. They're still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as we've seen, like, who would have thought Sheffield Wednesday were going to blow up the way they have? Uh, It just seemed unthinkable. Um, It's very easy to fall into traps, as we said before. As Mm. one stage, Derby and Bolton looked completely Mm. unstoppable. Um, And they they faded away. I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen to Ipswich because I think there's more substance about them. But I'm sure there will be some bumps in the road. I think I said before this run of games, before Derby, I'd got them down to win six, draw two, lose one of the final nine. To, and I'd had Derby down as one of, as, as a draw. So they're slightly ahead of schedule on that. I still think it might be, I still think there'll be, you know, a couple, at least a couple of results mm. that, that, you know, that they'll, that they'll drop points in, but there'll be, there'll be other twists and turns to come. Um, but it's in it's in their hands, which is just remarkable. It's it's in their hands now, and who knows what's going to happen to Plymouth now? You know, after sounds like they got, you know, it was a complete damp squib of a performance mm. at, at Wembley to lose four nil at Wembley Stadium. Who knows what that's going to do to them in in these coming weeks? I think three of their next four games are away from home. We know how good they are at home park, but that's a real tester of their mental strength in in the next few weeks. Can Sheffield Wednesday get their act together and? And pull themselves together. Can Barnsley keep going the way they are? Because they're in equally good form to Ipswich at the moment. Um, exciting times. I made a spectacular Horlex boys on Sunday on, on the note of, of Barnsley. I did a little roundup, race for the top two. What happened on Saturday? Who, who the next games are? I said Barnsley are unbeaten since January. Completely forgetting, of course, they lost last week to Exeter. In my defence, I was high on morphine at the time. <laughs> um, but thank you for the guy who pointed that out. On Twitter, with a little little sneer, um, but yes, that was that was quite a quite a Horlicks I made. Clearly, they lost last week. Um, Roscoe, driving. Where are we? To be confirmed. What? That's not. What do although, you mean? although mean? I've I've been told by young my young prospect in Regan, he's passed his fury test. <laughs> so he's now in front of me. Oh um, no. So if yeah. that's if that's not the motivation required, yeah. Ross, come on. Yeah. Here's my concern. I, I worry. I don't know. Used to. I worry that, that Ross is surrounded by enablers. Liam Liam drives him everywhere. He's got no. <laughs> he's got no real motivation to pass his test when Liam's just basically his chauffeur. Yeah. Um, I think we need people to to be cruel to be kind. Say to Ross, sorry, mate. You're on your own. You've got to get yourself around now. What about whenever we take Ross to games, we drop him off like. Five miles away from the stadium every time until you've passed your theory, mate. You've got to walk the last five or the last three or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I do worry, boss, that you're you're too comfortable in just being driven around everywhere. Um, and, and... Well, I'm not. I'm not saying comfortable. I'm just like I can't pass the bloody theory test. Um, so yeah, I've got another one book next week. So um, yeah, fingers crossed. Another opportunity to go live to the test center. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Uh, so Regan has passed his theory already yeah that's that's his second that was his second attempt so yeah 
Wow. Yeah. Like, right now. Is it just telling you I've passed I've actually passed my test now, Ross? Do you want yeah. to live? Yeah, um, pretty much. Wow. Okay. Well, you got you got to take some motivation from that, Rossi. We've got to, yeah. we've got to turn these things around. Uh, and Liam, stop stop driving Ross everywhere. Make him make him look after himself. He's driving like the five aside tonight. Sorry, he's driving the five aside. <laughs> if just, he is listening, Liam, just, just say sorry, Ross. Call to be kind. No more lists for you. You've got to learn to become independently mobile. It's for your own yeah. good, mate. Honestly, let's yeah. be honest. Um, Right then, friends, that brings us to the end of an hour-long festival of fun. I should mention, of course, uh, Hutchie having a well-earned rest on holiday somewhere sunny um, as we speak. And I believe he's having a a wonderful time despite the sun. Um, I don't know if he's got ice packs strapped to his back or what, but um, he's he's enjoying himself. So he'll miss the game on Friday. He'll be back for for Easter Monday. Rested, recharged, tanned, no doubt. Just a reminder, friends, to support our sponsors. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Get yourself one of these new Weed Whacker 2.0s if you're uh, the, old, the old nasal hair and the ear hair need sorting. Your, your Tragus can finally be sorted now, Stu. Now you've got one of those. Yeah, that might be uh, my afternoon job. I haven't got it out of the box yet, so I'll give you a review next time. A whole afternoon? That must be a seriously hairy trial. Yeah, yeah. A whole, <laughs> a whole afternoon. Uh, and also, obviously, support um, Ginger Pickle, our other sponsor, our, our lovely sponsor, um, Ginger Pickle. If you like your pickle, pickle ginger, Google Ginger Pickle. Help with your Google ads there, Stu. Working out which side is, <laughs> his logo's on there on his top. Uh, digital marketing, SEO, whatever, all that kind of good stuff. Tony Southgate and his team will sort you right out. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes as well if you've not. Um, we've got some good ones recently. Particularly praising... Hutchie's wisdom seems to be the main theme at the moment. Hutchie's wisdom uh, and also introducing people to EDAM have been the subject of our, of our last three five-star reviews. And obviously, for across social media, Kings of Angola, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Anything else to mention, friends, before we uh, we get on with our day and I see if I can bend my leg? No other business. All done. Done. Right then, friends. Podcast is in the books. Ipswich Town have a chance to tie a club record that's stood since the glory days the halcyon days of sir bobby over this easter weekend follow it all with us and we'll be back next week to break it down whatever happens have a great easter eat lots of chocolate even though it's overrated and we'll be back next week to talk again
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.